The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network The Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com Hello, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Ed of the Week There's no better way to troll your Trump supporter friends than by picking up Bubble Genius's own tiny orange hand soap set Give yourself a hand or take two They're small, tiny in fact Teeny tiny and they're orange, of course, and smells appropriately of circus peanuts in honor of the GOP's clown dictator. Am I right, folks? Only $12 at BubbleGenius.com, but if you use our promo code CESCA, SESCA, at checkout, you'll get an additional 15% off only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Mr. Burgundy, you are acting like a baby. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. You are not a man, you are a big fat joke. I'm a man who discovered the wheel and built the Eiffel Tower out of metal and brawn. That's what kind of man I am. You're just a woman with a small brain, with a brain a third the size of us. It's science. I will have you know that I have more talent and more intelligence in my little finger than you do in your entire body, sir. You are a smelly pirate hooker. You look like a blueberry. Why don't you go back to your home on Whore Island? Well, you have bad hair. What did you say? I said, your hair looks stupid. Bob Seska! I don't know what we're yelling about! The Bob Seska Show! Hello, Bob. Hello. It is uh, Tuesday, May 2, 2017, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob. And we're brought to you by the best soap in the world. It's BubbleGenius.com. Also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. Get free legal advice at TheBowenLawGroup.com slash Bob and Chess. Or just click the link on the podcast page. Hello, Bob. Hi. <laughs> she always wants to say hi to me, doesn't she? Rachel Matt. Oh, that's right. <laughs> of course, she's saying hi to Muggsy, Robert Costa, not me. So whatever. All right, let's uh, let's do this. Uh, by the way, that's our new theme song. <laughs> just circulating in a new theme song into the system because I just I didn't like the old one. I just it was muddy and noisy and it, it just didn't sound good. So I had to find another one and i really really like this one so i think i'm gonna definitely keep this one so you can you can count on that okay until i change my mind and that'll be like tomorrow uh let's bring our very special guest today you've heard him on his uh on his amazing amazing uh news and comment it's buzz burbank news and comment you've heard him on the realm network you've heard him on the don and mike show you've heard him on the michael mara show it is uh it is buzz burbank how you doing buzz yeah. Well, let me join Rachel in saying hi, Bob. And yeah, the, the new theme song is crisper and just a touch angrier. So yeah. I, I think you've I think you've chosen wisely. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I uh, the license expired on the one that I had been using for like five years, and then I brought in another one. And mm-hmm. f me, I asked Ches to pick between three, and he chose that one. <laughs> 
So I'm, I'm blaming it all on Chez. See, that's what you can do posthumously to people. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But anyway, it's it's good, and the audio quality, like you said, is great. So it's all good now. I, I you know, and thank you for for having me back and and making me uh, you know one of your one of your semi regulars. I really appreciate that. I because I, I always enjoy it so much. But I and and I know you have a, a bunch of stuff you want to talk about today. I can't imagine what. <laughs> but 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 before we begin, I wanted to pose a question for you, kind of okay. a little game, kind of a fun question, uh, and that is, who's your favorite dictator uh, of, of all the brutal <laughs> of all the. Of all the now, and I mean contemporary brutal dictators <laughs> of the contemporary brutal dictators, uh, you know, uh, Trump has given us five that he likes. Is there <laughs> is there one that stands out for you as maybe better uh, than the others, more likable, perhaps? Well, why don't we just roll the wheel of dictators and see what we can come up with? Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go with Kim Jong Un, and and yeah. I'll tell you why. It's okay. because uh, he's so easy on the eyes. I just, every time, man, every time they show in B-roll well, of Kim Jong-un, I'm going, man, that boy is hot. He's cute. He, he's he's cute. cute. He's got that pudgy little face and, exactly. and that jolly little laugh. And, right. And so I think just based on that and his insanity alone, he's he's my favorite. Your other choices were uh, Egypt's Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, yeah. uh, Turkey's Recep uh, Erdogan, and uh, the Philippines' Rodrigo Duterte, yeah. or, or Russia's Vladimir Putin. And Putin uh, came in really close. Uh, he almost made number one for me because he's so slick. Yeah. Uh, but but in the end, <laughs> because of that uh, happy, because cute he's so face. Slick. <laughs> yeah, because of that happy, cute face, I have to go with Kim Jong-un. But, you know, the president's made it hard for us because now we have to uh, choose a favorite. Yeah, that's right. And, I, you know, I wonder how he chooses his favorites. I wonder... <laughs> I wonder if he sits there and he's got like his uh maybe he's got like an old MySpace page and he festoons it with pictures of his favorite dictators. Someone's got to put together the Trump MySpace page, his worship page for all of his favorite dictators. I, I've been I've been trying to envision a group chat between these six men, you know, Trump yeah. and his five favorite contemporary brutal dictators. Uh it's just it's uh it's, it's it's all very shocking, but you know, even I haven't read it yet, but I understand. Yeah. Psychology Today magazine is out with an article about why Trump likes brutal dictators so much. I yeah. think we can get. I think we can guess, but I'd like to hear the experts' take on that. Well, this isn't the first time, by the way, that he's praised Duterte, where he's right. mentioned Duterte from the Philippines over the summer. Right. Right after Duterte did this big crackdown on drug users and drug dealers, right. murdering thousands of them, by the mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. Donald Trump was like, yeah, he's really getting things done. Boy, that guy, he's hes really special. He's, he's really <laughs> taking it to the drug dealers by killing all of them. Uh, and, and Trump admires that he just, for some reason in his lack of knowledge in terms of what's acceptable as a, uh, as, as a national leader thinks that this could, this is how oh, they're really, <laughs> they're really digging in and getting, they're getting results. They're winning. They're winning. I, I, as I said, I haven't read the psychology today article, but I'm guessing that it has a lot to do with the fact that, uh, an all out dictator can do what the head of a business can do in this country, and that is uh, make decisions without having to get them through Congress or anybody else. Yeah. Uh, and and also to eliminate your enemies. In business, in American business, we fire them. 
In Russia, they kill them. Right. Uh, in other countries, they, they kill uh, political opponents as well. Trump has uh, political opponents, certainly journalists in this country, yep. that he would like to treat as other dictators, as other dicta- as dictators in other parts of the world, uh, have treated journalists and citizens there. So that's my guess. Now I'm going to have to go read the article. But Kim Jong-un is a special kind of uh, killer because he kills not only his dissidents and, and people who oppose him, but he kills his family members too. <laughs> And, and countless of his own people uh, through starvation as he spends money on himself and on yeah. his defense system, including the nukes. So, you know, there it is. But I just, I had to open, I wanted to open light if I could, and now look where we are. But I, I wanted to open... <laughs> I wanted to open with the question, you know, who's your favorite dictator? I think all Americans should be thinking about that. Well, you know what? When I, I mean, honestly, when I look at Kim Jong-un, the first thing I think of is two mm. words, tough cookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cookies come to mind. Yeah. But that's, uh, you know, how tough they are. I, I don't know. What is it with Trump and talking to dictators and then uh, desserts? He's always associating desserts. Maybe that's why he loves dictators so much, because he's linking them to the biggest piece of chocolate cake you've ever seen. And then uh, Kim Jong-un is a tough cookie, he said. I mean, he said here uh, about Kim Jong-un in this Bloomberg interview, quote, if it would be appropriate for me to meet with him, I would absolutely. I would be honored to do it if it's under the, again, under the right circumstances. But I would do that, Donald Trump said. See, this is a major, major foreign policy blunder and and yeah. taking, taking your fun topic into very, very serious territory. Yes. This is one of those things where you just know, Buzz, that... Kim Jong-un is sitting there with his his other gang of thugs, and they're all sitting around going, wow, this is great. We won. We, we actually won. We got right. the, the big bad president of the United States to admit that that Kim Jong-un is a tough guy, and he did. He worked really hard. He said here to, to face the nation. He went off and faced the nation again, Trump. He said, and at a very young age, he was able to assume power. Right. Maybe not realizing that he just rose to power because his dad was the previous uh, leader of North Korea. And then he continues by saying a lot of people, I'm sure, tried to take that power away, whether it was his uncle or anybody else. Of course, he had his uncle killed. Right. Yeah. So Trump is almost in in that statement defending uh, the murdering of an opposition uncle. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And, And so he said Eddie was able to do it. So obviously he's a pretty smart cookie. Right, oh, did I say right. tough cookie? I meant smart cookie. Smart cookie's actually even a yeah. bigger compliment. Yeah, was- smart. Yeah, you did say smart cookie. Yeah. I, you know, it's. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a, a dessert correlation or not. But he, the other scary thing about uh, these moves that he makes, just like everything else with Trump, it's stream of consciousness. He gets a wild hair and picks up the phone and calls these guys without yeah. ever note. Even he, he did not in all of these cases. He did not notify the State Department what little there is left of it, and he did not. Know notify the National Security Council. Uh, These are folks who normally like to be involved in those sorts of decisions. And, you know, it's one thing to say, I would consider meeting with Kim Jong-un under the right circumstances. He didn't have to say, I would be honored. Yeah, That's the scary part. Yeah, he doesn't understand that some things culturally and in terms of language don't translate from 
English to, in this case, <laughs> Korean the right. way they probably should. I mean, it's it's entirely possible that Kim Jong-un and his gang of thugs, I don't even know if he has a gang of thugs, but there's Kim Jong-un and his gang of thugs. That's his of course b- he does, Bob. All brutal dictators have a gang of thugs. <laughs> That's the name of his garage band, Kim Jong-un and the gang of thugs. The gang of thugs. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and so uh, what he doesn't understand is they're going to take this in a completely different way than what Donald Trump intended. And, and Donald Trump also automatically assumes that mm. if you can assuage him by giving him superficial compliments and pretending to be his buddy, well, mm. then maybe everybody can be convinced to to, uh, to behave that way. So if yeah. Donald Trump compliments Kim Jong-un, maybe he's assuming that, well, he, he wants me to be his buddy. I'm going to be his best friend. I mean, we're going to be like besties. And, you know, and he so- really... He really wants to have a friend, I think. Yeah. Yes, and it's it's really really sad how desperate he is to because he was talking to John Dickerson about John Dickerson asked him, "Well, is there anybody you can call for advice?" No, there's nobody. No, I'm all alone. Yeah. So yeah. sad. I, I, he's always believed that. I mean, yeah. he's always been on his own by his own choice. Yeah, because he's he's a desperate monstrous man <laughs> who <laughs> suffers from clinical delusions oh, and that's just back. the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But uh but again, what what he's doing here by talking to uh by the way, Duterte uh has something to do with snack well cookies, I'm I'm to understand. <laughs> And, and pound really? cake. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he, I, he I links all of it. Yeah, I mean, every dictator has to be linked to a dessert food. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, <clears throat> nevertheless, uh, this is one of the situations where it actually ends up emboldening North Korea. It makes them yeah, seem like yeah. they've won. It makes them seem like they've got the upper hand. And uh, and now we're apparently flying fighter jets pretty close to North Korean territory. So. Oh, yeah. The THAAD missile defense system is officially up as of today. Yep. Uh, that's ready to shoot back. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, North Korea's response is, well, this just moves us closer to uh, nuclear war on the Korean pen- peninsula. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it continues to escalate. If there's any reason to be afraid today on this particular show at the time that we do this, yeah. it, it's because of these international concerns uh, and, and the dangerous game that this stream of consciousness president is playing constantly and without in many cases without any consultation at all yeah and that's just it i i think he's obviously he he lacks any sort of seriousness or discipline to be able to say to himself maybe yeah, i or, need to deflect and 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 pivot to the message of the day or something or, like or that. at least run this by somebody first <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly and and the way obviously to not do that is to do it the way he did it with John Dickerson, which was to just, as soon as the going got tough, Donald Trump ran away. I, I loved what Rachel did this week. I loved your blog about it that that rounded it up, uh, rounded up even more evidence uh, of that. And the Dickerson thing was, of course, just the icing on the cake. It, yeah. It, 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 that actually came after Rachel's roundup of how the administration runs away. Yeah. Uh, whether, it's, whether it's Trump or whatever, when you ask them the tough questions, specifically about Mike Flynn, and then I'll be reporting on that in my news, you know, later oh, I can't this week wait. as well. I can't wait. Yeah, that's what he did. Rachel showed a uh, put together a video montage of Donald Trump running away from hard questions about Mike Flynn. And then it's kind of related what John Dickerson asked him about, because he asked him about the wiretap claim, which is tangentially associated with it's all in the Russia orbit. Right. And, right. and as soon as he starts, uh, as soon as Dickerson starts asking Trump about that. Brave Sir Donald ran away. Brave Sir Donald ran away. <laughs> ran 
turned away, away he did. Brave, brave Sir Donald. When reporters asked about what he said, he bravely turned his tail and fled, and he hid yeah. right there behind his desk, and he chickened out. <laughs> Rocky Mountain Mike. Thank you, Rocky Mountain Mike. That That's wonderful. Yeah, and you know what? I'm having fun watching Trump's body language at yeah. moments like that. When he is asked a question he doesn't want to be asked, mm. he immediately looks away and doesn't look back. Uh, when And I've noticed also when he's, <laughs> I when he's talking. I too. <laughs> I studied this when he was talking with Dickerson. Most of the time when he was speaking to Dickerson, he looked away from Dickerson. Right. Uh, and, and then if he wanted to add something like, you know, I'm serious about that or you can trust me on that, or whatever, you know, any kind of affirming statement, at that moment, then he would look Dickerson in the eye. And the same can be witnessed in every other appearance that you video that you see of uh, Trump on television. It, 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 and to, to experts in this field, ask, ask a, an interrogation expert with the federal government, any, any pick a branch, I don't care, oh, yeah, military, yeah. civilian, whatever, ask them, and they will tell you that looking away means you're lying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anna. Well, one thing, and I don't know if this has anything to do with lying, probably not, but the one thing I noticed about Trump and his body language is he never he never turns his head at the neck. He does the Batman turn, where he has to t- he turns his <laughs> yeah. entire body, or what he does is he rotates his head in the middle and like slants his head to the side and looks at you through a side eye. Like he, that's what he did with Hillary Clinton during the debates. He didn't turn to look at her. He tilted. He cocked his head to the side like a dog who heard a funny noise and yeah. then he then he kind of looks well, out of those little beady eyes of his looks to the left and stares her down that's that's another thing that he does and i'm, I'm wondering if that's just kind of his thing and it, or, or 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 that he, that's his species maybe just the species <laughs> does that species. he's like an owl <laughs> so, yeah yeah and it's just it's a it's a biological thing uh, we wouldn't understand it. well his uh some a GOP insider, a top uh, a GOP staffer, uh, described Donald Trump's interviews as he just seemed to go crazy. <laughs> I, I love this story. This is uh, going to do this right before we talk about Blue Apron here in a second. Sure. But senior Republican aides confided this week that President Donald Trump's puzzling statements over the last few days have left them confused. According to Politico, GOP aides on Capitol Hill and at the White House have been unable to explain why Trump unleashed a string of baffling claims over a 24-hour period in interviews with Bloomberg, CBS News, and Sirius XM Radio. And and some of these we're going to talk about in just a second. We're going to talk about Good. Andrew Jackson and the Civil War in just a second. And then we're going to dig back into uh, the, the Dickerson clip where <laughs> Donald Trump runs away, runs away yeah. like a little baby, like a little chicken. And, uh, and, and, but nevertheless, these were just two things. I mean, he was also talking about, it was, we talked about here a second ago, Kim Jong-un, mm-hmm. the, the crazy thing, the really, truly crazy thing that, uh, is, has gotten buried under all of Trump's misinformation mm-hmm. has to do with Trump conceding on key progressive issues oh and yeah this is what's pretty amazing we're going to talk about that right after we talk about food it's blue apron buzz i love uh i love my blue apron meals because i'm totally uh not very creative i get it i just yeah. uh I, you know what it is if i really sit down and think about it i know mm-hmm. exactly what i want to have for dinner every right. night but who's got the time to sit down and really plan a meal if, if you're busy like we are, Buzz, 
Yeah. Busy, busy. Well, and, and you don't know what to buy or how much of it to buy. You don't know what you're doing. You just know what you want. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just, again, it takes all of that extra time to plan for it and then get the ingredients and then right. have everything set up and then uh, to go through the, the process of putting them all together. But when I sit down for dinner, I want the food that I want and I want it healthy and fresh right in front of me without any lengthy planning process around my meals. But who can afford to eat at a restaurant every night? You can get the yeah. same same kind of thing. A meal brought right to you, but that's too expensive. Or who wants to shop at high-priced stores to get fresh natural ingredients? I've shopped in those stores. You've shopped in those stores, Buzz. Yep. yep. And we've wasted so much, so much good food, so much good money. And that's why I like Blue Apron, America's number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service. Blue Apron sends exactly what I need in exactly the right amounts and an easy recipe right to my do- door Blue Apron has partnered with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. Their seafood is certified sustainably sourced. The beef, chicken, and pork are raised responsibly, and the produce comes from regenerative farms. That's so important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And you know what's really important? This menu. The the menu items they've got at Blue Apron right now. (laughs) Sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger fried rice. Or the pizza with fresh spinach and mozzarella, olives, and bell pepper. I had that the other night. I love it. Parmesan-crusted chicken with roasted broccoli and creamy fettuccine, or the paninis with baby broccoli and arugula salad with hard-boiled eggs. Who doesn't love an egg? Incredible, yeah, well, especially the, in the salad. The incredible edible egg. Right. Try to get those meals at a restaurant or especially grocer for under 10 bucks a person. You can't do it. Blue Apron has something for everyone because you can customize your preferences, and the new recipes just keep coming, so you never, ever get bored. In fact, you get excited. It makes cooking fun. Affordable but elegant top-quality meals you easily make yourself with fresh ingredients brought to you by BlueApron.com. Check out this week's menu and get your first free meals for free. They'll even pay the shipping because you listen to this show. Go to BlueApron.com slash B-O-B-C. It feel good, feels good to make incredible affordable meals at home. When the food and recipes come from Blue Apron, that's blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. That's blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. It's still weird to play sounds of you, and then you're you're actually on the show too. So yeah, it's a, oh man, what, what do you mean play us out? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird feeling. Yeah, it really is. But it, yeah. I you know I I like I said, I'm honored to do it. Well, so let's dig into uh, President Andrew Jackson. <laughs> okay, if, <laughs> somehow, if, if if we must, I mean, I don't know how. You know, you you have to ask yourself first of all, why are we talking about this? Well, because the president brought it up. Yeah, the president. You know, this reminds me so much. It is a lot of what's happening right now is like deja vu, magnified times a thousand. Uh, <laughs> back in, I, I think it was oh six, maybe oh seven, somewhere around there. George W. Bush was doing an interview with a German reporter in the Oval Office, and mm-hmm. and and Bush, like Trump, is just fascinated by things around him. I love lamp. It's kind of like one of those things. I love carpet. I love lamp. Right. I, I love books on shelf. I love painting of George Washington. So they go up to this painting of George Washington, and George W. Bush says to the German reporter, you want to know the interesting thing about George Washington? <laughs> I read two or three books about George Washington. <laughs> and that's what he that's literally what he said. That he read three or four books about George Washington and his only takeaway to 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 repeat to a German reporter 
was that he read three or four books about George Washington. That's the only thing he could conjure in his brain, the only detail about George Washington. And, that yet, he could bring he up. Se- and yet he seems so smart in comparison <laughs> to Trump. He really, really, <laughs> really does. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, maybe they're at about, uh, they're at similar levels of, of unintelligence, but... Well, yeah, if I may, uh, Bush once said, I mean, I think Dick Dickerson brings this up. And, and so this is an example of something Bush said that was even too intelligent for Donald Trump. When Bush said the, the interesting thing about the Oval Office was that it had no corners, so there was no place to hide. And yeah. Trump's, Trump's response is, yeah, you know, that's true. There are no corners. Well, <laughs> he, he missed the point. He missed the point entirely, which is there's no place to hide. And he never did answer that question because he never understood that question. So uh, that automatically makes Bush exponentially smarter than Trump. Yeah, because he gets the conceptual nature of what he was saying, and Donald Trump just doesn't understand a goddamn thing. Just how stupid this guy is. So let's play. Here's the clip of uh, Donald Trump. In case you haven't heard, this is Donald Trump talking about Andrew Jackson and the Civil War and how great this sociopath president that we used to have Andrew Jackson actually was. They said my campaign is most like my campaign and and win was most like Andrew Jackson with his campaign and I said when was Andrew Jackson? It was 1828. That's a long time ago. That's Andrew Jackson. (laughs) See, no, that's one of the things that he does a lot. He, He says a number and then he has to underline how significant that number is. So right, it was, it was eight, 1828. It, it was a long time ago. It was in the <laughs> 1800s. Just to clarify. Yeah, just to clarify <laughs> that it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> Jesus, this Nimrod. And he had a very, very mean and nasty campaign because they said this was the meanest and the nastiest. And unfortunately, his continues. His wife died. His wife died. Yeah. They, they destroyed his wife and she died. Now, the, that right there, that's that's our first little bit of information where Donald Trump is making shit up. He, uh, in this case, no one knows that it was the campaign or whether the, the campaign killed Rachel Jackson in, uh, in 1828, right after the election. She had a heart condition and she had a heart attack and it was a brutal campaign. And and she was involved in some way in terms of the uh, the scandals that arose during the campaign itself. And uh, and then she ended up dying of a heart attack shortly after the election. Now, there's no again, there's no way to correlate that the election killed her. But his Donald Trump's delivery right here, which like he died and then she died. It was a brutal, brutal campaign, the most brutal campaign ever. And then she died. It sounds like. Buzz, I don't know if you've seen the new show on Comedy Central called The President Show. Uh, it's hosted by, I think, a guy who does maybe the best Trump impression out there, Tony Atamanek. Yes. Very talented. And and the best thing, of course, a lot of that show was uh, basically a spoof of a late night show hosted if it, as if it were hosted by Donald Trump. Right. But then he did this middle section where he goes out on the street in, in New York, which <laughs> based on our collective uh, fandom of, of David Letterman, that's the kind of stuff to me. That's when I really that's when my attention really perks up when they go out on the street. 
they're interacting with real people and doing real things. Right. And uh, one of the things he does is the little little uh, uh, wheelchair accessible slope that at the curb at the crosswalk. He's yeah. afraid of the slope, so he's like gingerly like crawling down the slope to the crosswalk. <laughs> that was one of the funnier bits in there. <laughs> and then he's sitting there and he's talking about um, how he wants to go home. He's just sitting on a stoop. This is yeah. Tony Atamanek as Trump. And then a truck comes by and he starts, he gets really excited and he's freaking out. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, a truck. And he's going, he's trying to get the truck to make the, the honking sound. Honk, honk goes the yes. truck, he's shouting. Right. And then he goes into this dark, it, it's like this increasingly dark run about how he's going to steal one of the trucks and then drive it into the river and then slowly drown. And he takes that same tone of voice as when he's talking about Rachel Jackson. He's like, wow. Then I'm going to. Then I'm going to fill my lungs up with water and then I'm going to drown. And then I'm going to. This is like it's Trump going dark. And wow. this is something that he occasionally really, really does. Yes. And, and I wanted to take my hat off to uh, Tony Atamanik at, at, for just absolutely nailing that little nuance where Trump just gets really sad and dark and contemplative. And, and you don't know, you, you know that he's. He himself is taking a little stroll through the Hieronymus Bosch hellscape of his own brain. I can only imagine what goes on inside that noggin. But nevertheless. Yeah, yeah. and in fact, uh, he even expressed some of that out loud when he was talking about uh, this job is more work than uh, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. It's not like I thought it was going to be. I miss my old life, he said. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wow. Uh, This is uh, and it's and we're 100 days in or 103 or wherever we are now. So so much whining. So much whining from this guy. Stop whining. So the, the long digression, this is all Donald Trump talking about how sad it was that, that Rachel Jackson, Andrew Jackson's wife, died at the end right. of the campaign. This is a guy trying to pretend to be empathetic in some way, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he was a swashbuckler. But when his wife died, you know, he visited her grave every day. I, I visited her grave, actually, because I was in Tennessee. Oh, that's right. You were in Tennessee. And it was amazing. The people of Tennessee are amazing people. Well, they love Andrew Jackson. They love Andrew Jackson in Tennessee. Yeah. He's, he's a fascinating I mean, had Andrew Jackson been a little bit later, you wouldn't have had the Civil War. Okay. He was, he was a very tough person, but he had a big heart. And he was, he was really angry that he saw what was happening with regard to the Civil War. He said, there's no reason for this. People don't realize, you know, the Civil War... um, Yeah. You think about it, why? People don't ask that question. But why was there... Yeah, now, see, he's really, really dug himself into a hole right here. Right. Yeah, people have never... No one has ever asked about why we had a Civil War. Well, only like, what is it? I don't know, thousands. I lost track of the number. I, I saw it earlier. Thousands of books have been written. About oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I looked it up on Amazon.com. It's uh, 1,210 books about the causes of the Civil War. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> who visits a national battlefield uh, park knows that they that people ask all the time what the cause of the Civil War was, or what were the various causes of the Civil War. Right, this is something right. that's constantly discussed. But the thing here is that yeah. Donald Trump, for some reason, decided to go down this road. He decided to like unpack his lack of intelligence when it comes or his lack of knowledge when it comes to uh, American history. Well, like you said, he talks himself into a corner. That's yeah. what, what happened. Listen, I don't pretend to know a lot about history. I don't know nearly as much 
as I should or as much as I wish I did at this point. It wasn't all that interesting to me in school, and I, I blame the teachers uh, and the curriculum yeah. uh, for that to a large degree. So I don't profess to be an expert, but then also I'm not posing as the president of the United States, nor am I talking about my knowledge or lack of knowledge about the Civil War or any other aspect of American or world history. If I don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know about you, I shut up. Trump doesn't know how to do that. And once he gets a statement out there, then he has to wander around looking for, <laughs> within his own brain, Literally. looking for support for what he has just said. Yeah, that's right. And and But the difference, though, between someone who's like Donald Trump, who's a delusional narcissist, and someone like Buzz Burbank is you're willing to publicly confess that you know, I, I didn't learn as much as I should have learned. and, and right. but, but you know what? The, the sign of a well-rounded person is knowing a little bit a lot of, uh, about a lot of different things and the things that you don't know about. You, one, uh, aren't afraid to say, you know, I don't know a lot about that. And right. two, you know where to find the answers. You know where yes. to immediately go and look for those answers. Donald, Before speaking. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and Donald Trump doesn't have any of those, those roadblocks to him just words, words, right. words. The words start pouring out of his mouth. And he can't stop himself from saying words, and they make him look—they <laughs> make him look really, really dumb. And I, and is that our title? He can't stop himself from saying words. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think it might be. But I mean, here's the thing about Andrew Jackson, and you've probably seen historians on MSNBC and so on talking about this in the interim. But I mean, just for the record, you know what? Andrew Jackson could have prevented the Civil War. He could have stopped the Civil War. He could have cut a deal with South Carolina like he did in, what was it, 1832? There was some nullification thing where South Carolina was nullifying federal laws right. left and right, and Andrew Jackson got tough on them and said, stop doing this, and uh, and was able to prevent them from, from seceding by cutting a deal with them. Now, there's, like John Meacham, for example, was saying on MSNBC last night, he said, well, you know, maybe D Donald Trump was thinking of the nullification crisis with South Carolina in 1832. I was going, no, 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 no. absolutely no. Too, too much credit. Yeah, too much credit. D Donald Trump doesn't know what the goddamn hell the nullif nullification crisis was. <laughs> and what Donald Trump was talking about was specifically the Civil War. Now, right. if Andrew Jackson had done this deal, to stop the Civil War before it happened, this deal would have unequivocally preserved slavery in some form, whether preserving it entirely throughout the South or preserving it in some reduced or actually increased form. I mean, we have to remember that Andrew Jackson hated abolitionists. Andrew Jackson owned yes. 150 people. That's right. Yeah. including women and children. I know that he was a slave owner. I guess the question I would pose, again, uh, asking from uh, my own position of ignorance, is uh, if if he had not, if he had worked out that deal uh, on nullification, yeah. uh, did he know that he would, would he have known that he was preventing a civil war? Did he know that there would be a civil war 16 years after he died? Well, I mean, not as a consequence of the nullification thing. Uh, obviously, right. that was merely a stopgap measure to right. to prevent something like that happening. There, there was, I mean, there was concern throughout the latter half of the the mid eighteen hundreds, where there, you know it became inevitable. Politicians, especially, were talking. Well, this is gonna, this is going to be something. We're going to have to deal with this at some point soon, and and it's that especially happened in the South because you have basically the equivalent of Fox News Channel and. 
and AM talk radio in uh, what at the time was referred to as fire eaters. These uh, orators who would go around and they would they would issue incendiary cartoons against right. abolitionism and, and in favor of slavery and in favor of states' rights. And they would go and they would speak in various towns. It was basically that version, the old school version of what we would consider now to be uh, cable news. And, and they scared the living hell out of Southerners thinking that if they didn't do something soon, there was going to be a slave uprising and they were all going to be killed and murdered and all of their white women were going to be raped and so on. And so this was the, the, the fear of God, well, mainly the fear of black people and, and the fear right. of northern abolitionists instilled in the heads of all of these people. So they knew in some in some respect that there was going to be conflict around the corner. And then we also had bloody Kansas happening in, right. in the process. And that was over slavery as well, whether to make it a slave state or a free state. But I mean, regardless, if you have Andrew Jackson or even Abraham Lincoln, for God's sake, trying to cut a deal with the South before they before the state started seceding. To prevent a civil war, again, slavery would have been there. It would have been. It would have remained. The only thing that would have washed away slavery is what actually did, and that is the Civil War followed by the Thirteenth Amendment. So, so Trump uh, spouts off about this, and uh, you know, I, I, here again, I mean, I, like I said, I'm no expert, but if he's going to talk about it as President of the United States, he should at least have uh, some sort of grasp on it. All of which just sort of underscores. Uh, the level of ignorance uh, that we have leading the country. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's just it's it's a level of ignorance. But I think even more than that, e- even worse than that, Buzz is I think it's a level of delusion. Where, yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Where he, he thinks bo- he knows. Yeah, he thinks he knows, and he insists that he knows, and then he has to have his staff and whoever's helping him on Twitter to reverse engineer some of the madness that he's brought up. Almost immediately, there was another tweet. Uh, about how, oh, yes, I know Andrew Jackson died 16 years before uh, yeah. Beauregard fired on Fort Sumter. I, I I know that. Don't you know that I know that? How could you think that I didn't know that? Perhaps the most outrageous <laughs> thing, uh, too, is the fact that Trump said, I, I, you know, I could have negotiated this or Jackson could have negotiated this. Yeah. I, Jackson was a slave owner, as you said. Right. Uh, how, how was how do what's the compromise you come to? Some people can own slaves or people can own slaves, but not as many. There's there's there isn't uh, that I can see. No, well, no, of course. There is no compromise yeah. on slavery. You either have it or you don't have it, and and that's a moral decision. And uh, you know, half of the country was was on the right side of that, and the other half was not. And uh, you know, it, 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 so to say, oh, we could have had a compromise, is to say, well, you know, maybe we could have kept slavery. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Not to get too pedantic about it, but even in the movie Lincoln, I mean, by the end of the movie Lincoln. The South, through their uh, vice president, Alexander Stevens, played by uh, 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 Jackie Earl Haley. Yes. Okay. He goes to Lincoln and says, and, and even after the Civil War is going badly for the South and so on, and they're at the tail end of it, they're, it's just about to, to wrap up, and they're still looking to cut a deal to preserve slavery. They want to make sure that right. the 13th Amendment doesn't apply to them if they decide to rejoin the Union. And mm-hmm. that's the negotiation happening at that point, at which time Lincoln goes, no, of course not. You have to. If you're going to be part of the United States, you have to abide the Constitution, and the 13th right. Amendment happens to be part of that Constitution now. Right, and right. so uh, this, there was no. This, this is all to say. This is the really boring version. The the, the National Park Service version of saying that uh, no, 
No, there wasn't going to be a deal. And if there was going to be a deal, there was still going to be slavery. And we have to ask if Donald Trump is in favor of a deal to prevent the Civil War that would have preserved slavery. And although it's very important that we take time to uh, think about this and be concerned about this and even laugh about this. And by the way, you mentioned earlier slavery cartoons. Always funny. Uh, <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, you but, should see them, though. Holy but, God. But even though, I, yeah, I think I have seen some of them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even, you know, this... Even though it's important that the president to know that the president is this ignorant, yeah. uh, and even though that's uh, scary on a certain level, at the same time, we I worry about how much time uh, the media and all of us have spent talking about this particular thing. Meanwhile, a lot of stuff is happening in the government. You know, things are changing, things that affect our lives today. So while it's important to know the president is stupid. Yeah. Uh, if, if we spend all of our time laughing and discussing about that and discussing it, uh, I, I hope that we leave time or spend more time on talking about what his administration's actually doing throughout the government. Although I, I will say that when. When something like this happens, it gives us an amazing window into how Donald Trump thinks and and how he's approaching these crises and and or is it crises? Crises, he's, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm I'm ready to pull down the shade on some of that because the light is the brightness is is from that is is keeping us from seeing some of the things that are actually happening today. That's right. You know, I mean, it's like I said, we must never forget how stupid he is. Uh, but that's pretty much a given already, isn't it? I mean, uh, for 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 most thinking Americans, which I believe is a slight majority of the country at the very least. Um, and, you know, so I, I again, uh, let's watch let's watch what he's doing in addition to what he's saying. Yeah. And, you know, my only other concern, though, is uh, well, it's 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 normalizing it by omission. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. by sidestepping it. It gives it legitimacy and makes it normal for the president to act that way. And, and of course, my one of my most massive concerns about Donald Trump, a galactic concern with regard to this guy, mm -hmm. is that this is all going to become standard. This is going to become yeah. a precedent. So no, I'm with you. If the I'm next president comes along and they're bungling, bungling their way through their presidency, well, it's okay because, you know, the previous guy did it. And, yeah, we still came out of it without too much of a disaster. And, that, and that's when the slow descent down to idiocracy begins to happen. Well, and that's my you, you've, you've <clears throat> refueled, you've refueled my motivation here on, on that. Uh, and, and because I, because I, I have to agree with you. Uh, yeah. I, I too, and I, I love what you've written about that. I too have, uh, uh, you know, been very, very concerned yeah. about, about this being accepted as normal. I too am seeing, uh, the, the nightly newscasts uh, across the networks uh, treating Trump as though he is a regular president. And that's, gosh, that seems like the most dangerous thing anybody can do uh, yeah. at this point. Well, you know, and there's this other thing. I was talking about it, in fact, with uh, John Fugelsang on his show on Sirius XM on, on Monday, which is that uh, I'm, I'm at this point now where I get really frustrated with cable news people who are telling me, hey, listen, leave the Trump people alone. Don't. Don't ridicule them for making a horrible, horrible decision with their vote last November. We've got to talk. We got to reach out to them and find find some common ground with the Trump people. And I go, no, no, no. And I'll tell you why. Okay. It, it's I feel like uh, by giving them a pass, by allowing their complete misinterpretation of what's happening uh, in terms of just the, how the system functions, uh, plus all of the things that are happening in the news right now by giving them a pass and, and knowing that they're so horribly wrong 
on so many things. I'm thinking about the crowd that that sat and cheered him on during the, the his rally in Harrisburg while he was right. running away from the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner. And and it seems to me as if we have championed folksy for far too long in this country, especially at the presidential level. It seems yeah. to me as if it's it's time to get ballsy about being smart again. And yeah, I, yeah I, I agree. And and I think even Obama uh, wimped out a little bit on that on that point. He yeah. at various points, I caught him many times uh, on television trying to be folksy. And yeah. uh, he this guy, uh, Obama, is, is so smart and uh, can just speak extemporaneously and with great expertise and precision about so many things and 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 do it so well uh, that uh, when he starts adding folks and and like I just did drop the G off adding <laughs> I'm used to hearing and I sort of expect Obama to say adding and not adding but but he did <laughs> and when he did it it sounded forced it sounded and 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 I saw Clinton do it and I it's just something all politicians do now uh Trump uh you know has has capitalized on that uh, maybe even more than the others have, uh, and and maybe he's better at it. Look, everybody in that arena, everybody uh, is Saturday night in Harrisburg. <laughs> we're not going to reach them. We're never yeah. going to reach them. They are part. I've talked about this before. There's 15 percent of this country we're never going to reach. And guess what? That's a minority. That's a distinct yeah. minority. Uh, and and so there's enough of a majority against that minority that I don't think we have to worry about them too much. All we can do for them, and I am dead serious about this, is improve the educational system. Oh my God! Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. right. And and I think at the same time too. The, the more we pander to them, the more they feel like it's okay to think and believe right. some of these things. And I'm talking specifically in terms of the more racist ideas. And right. Yeah, they're, they're ideas already, they've already been empowered by Donald Trump. Yeah. And certainly the media should not play a role in that as well. Or, or the Democrats for that matter. Well, let's take a break and come back and talk about uh, Donald Trump and wiretapping. And then I want to get into uh, Trump care as well, because it's about to fail Very again. <laughs> we'll cover that right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Thank you, Buzz. And Buzz is also here today. You're welcome, Bob. See, you don't get that every week. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right. Uh, Okay, so 
Donald Trump ran away again. Every time he's asked tough questions, he runs away because he's a big old bully. And this is what bullies do. When the going gets tough, they wet their pants and run away. And uh, this was certainly the case. He was asked about uh, by John Dickerson. It was the tail end of the interview with Face the Nation, or as he calls it, Deface the Nation. (laughs) But uh, regardless, uh, so Donald Trump was asked about wiretapping. This is one of those great examples where Donald Trump tweets something about Obama wiretapping him. And he tweeted four times, by the way. Yes. Not, Not just once. And uh, and and of course, then his staff has to scramble to reverse engineer everything. And they reversed engineered it in a way that ended up getting Devin Nunes totally screwed out of his gig. (laughs) (laughs) They looped in Devin Nunes, who had to be part of the whole cloak and dagger routine to convince the old man that his tweets were accurate. And so Devin Nunes takes not one, but two cars super clandestine from <laughs> Capitol Hill down Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Avenue to the White House. He I had can to, hear the dramatic music in the background. I know. He had, to, he had to change cars to go there and do it. So this this thing about the wiretapping, I thought this issue was dead, that the White House had abandoned it. Enough is enough. This is a stupid thing. Even Republicans are condemning it as being ridiculous. And then Dickerson asked about, John Dickerson asked Trump about it. Uh, on Face the Nation, and uh, and Trump wasn't going to have any of it. Trump was pissed right. off, and then Trump Trump eventually ran away. You learn that skill. Who do you call to say what's it like? There's to... nobody you can call. Did President Obama give you any advice that was helpful? That you think, wow, he well, really very nice to me. But after that, we've had some difficulties. Uh, so it doesn't matter. You know, words are less important to me than deeds. And Did... you you saw what happened with surveillance, and everybody saw what happened with surveillance. Difficulties how? I thought that. Well, well, see, I, I stand corrected. In fact, John Dickerson didn't bring it up. It was Trump who brought it up. Dickerson was just asking about Obama. Exactly. And and on even I think even in the White House, Bob, I don't think there are that many people who believe this claim. I think it's pretty much down to Trump. Uh, if you corner a Sean Spicer or somebody on it, they'll say, yeah, we still believe that. But I don't think anybody really does except Trump himself. Nope. You saw what happened with surveillance and... I think that was inappropriate. What does that mean, sir? Uh, you can figure that out yourself. Well, I, the reason I asked is you said he you called him sick and bad. Look, you can figure it out yourself. He was very nice to me with words, but and when I was with him. But after that, there has been no relationship. But you stand by that claim about him? I don't stand by anything. I just, uh, you can take it the way you want. I, I love that. I love that. He spends uh, half a minute talking about how everyone's talking about it, how it was terrible that he was wiretapped and, and right. that whole thing, he said. And mm-hmm. then when he's pressed about it, he said, I don't stand by anything. Yeah, that's the phrase that sort of gets buried and nobody, I haven't seen anybody really focus on it, but it certainly attracted my attention. Uh, I don't stand by anything. Doesn't that just sum it up? Yes, it does. It's perfect, perfect, perfect. I think our side's been proven very strongly and everybody's talking about it. And frankly, it should be discussed. I think that is a very big surveillance of our citizens. I think that's a very big topic, and it's a topic that should be number one, and we number should one. find out. <laughs> the number one topic. It should be number, the number should one. Be our, forget Korea. It's this. <laughs> that's right. F- climate change. I want I want this to be the number one issue. What the hell is going on? I just wanted to find out, though. You're, you're the president of the United States. You said he was sick and bad because he had tapped you. You can take any way. You can take it any way you want. 
but I'm asking you because you don't want it you to be fake news. I want to hear from President Trump. Me. You don't have to ask me. Why not? Because I have my own opinions. You can have your own opinions. But I want to know your opinions. You're the president of the United <laughs> okay. States. That's enough. Thank you. That's enough. Thank you very much. He wanders away. He sits down <laughs> at his desk and pretends to read, and he's hiding there behind his desk. Again, it looks like... It looks like Alec Baldwin or Tony Atamanek on the President Show just randomly wandering off. And now that those impressions, by the way, are just such a part of the zeitgeist in the United States, that's really what I'm seeing now. When Donald Trump awkwardly walks away, I see Alec Baldwin awkwardly walking to that little teeny tiny version of the Resolute Desk and right. playing with that whatever that toy is that opens and closes. Right. Oh, my God. But, I mean, the funniest part is, and once again, Tough-talking uh, alpha male Donald Trump ran away. Brave Sir Donald ran away. <laughs> Wrong. Ran away, away he did. Brave, brave Sir Donald. Wrong. When reporters asked about what he said, he bravely turned his tail and fled, and he hid right there behind his no, desk. No, I didn't. And he chickened out. Wrong. <laughs> I just, I love that so much. Rocky it, Mountain it, Mike. It just, it, that's great. And it just underscores uh, the fact that Trump believes what he believes, and the same is true of his supporters. Mm -hmm. They believe what they believe, and uh, they don't want to hear the facts. Yep. Uh, they, we don't need no stinking facts. And and that and it goes back, to, you started to talk about the, the folksiness thing. Uh, the reason that politicians have, have turned that way is exactly this, that there is an anti-intellectual current in this country that's significant in size it's mostly in the minority it's yeah. a third of the country maybe uh that that just is now anti-intellectual smart people suck in their opinion yeah and and that's the most and that goes back to what i said about education that's maybe the most frightening thing of all is this pride of ignorance Mm -hmm. That so many Trump supporters have, which is another reason we we don't need to give them a break. They're a minority. We don't need to worry about them in the long run. Uh, but and we there will be some people we can win over, not of the hardcore Trump supporters, but of the people who you know have liked what they have seen or what they think they've seen mm -hmm. so far. And remember, a lot of people just aren't paying attention. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is there's a level of fandom right now where I believe what they're cheering for, if we go back right. to the Harrisburg rally uh, Saturday night, what they're cheering for when Donald Trump says he's going to repeal and re replace Obamacare and they're going to build the wall and he's going to make Mexico pay for it. These are not the policy ideas that people are cheering for. These are catchphrases that people, it's right. like, it's like uh, Gary Coleman's saying what you talking about willis it's like it's it's meaningless but it's still ha, 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 that's so funny yeah well and, and they it, like it they like it also because it's code for we're gonna undo everything the black guy did yeah we're gonna screw black lives matter and we're gonna screw over everything anything associated with obama and the left right, and liberals right. and the snowflakes and the, the trigger warnings and all that crap uh, and, and really, Donald Trump could be delivering his farewell address. We could have had the 2020 election and hopefully someone like Elizabeth Warren ends up defeating Donald Trump and he's delivering his farewell address the day before Inauguration Day and he goes out and he does it in the form of a rally and he says, we're going to replace, uh, we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare and people will still cheer for that because mm -hmm. even though he's leaving office, it's still the catchphrase and they will still love it. And he if right. he says, but we're going to make Mexico pay for the wall and he leaves office the next day, they're still going to cheer for that, too. Right. They like the, what they call the balls of that. They That's yeah. what they admire about that, that he has the audacity to say these things. Right. It almost doesn't matter.
matter to them, and and I hope it doesn't because he's not getting his way on on this stuff. Uh, it almost doesn't matter to them whether or not it happens. What they like is that he says it. Yeah, and the great thing too. Speaking of uh, Obamacare, by the way, is that uh-huh. Trump Care is about to fail again. They yes. uh, they're they're. But here's the thing, though. This time they're really goddamn close to passing it. I mean, they're just. It's like I think a couple of votes here or there. One one vote shy at the last CNN count. Uh, yeah. a couple hours before we did the show. So yeah, it's very close, but I don't think they're going to pull it off. We'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if even if it does pass by the skin of Trump's fake teeth, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's still not going to make it through the Senate ever. And uh, and I, it's obviously, the, the the town halls, and I think people on the left and the right. Yeah. Are, uh, are are fighting against this and I don't think yeah. it's making it a practical thing for them to do anymore but of course Donald Trump has to keep f***ing that chicken he has to keep going and going and going and going and going because he refuses yeah. to accept defeat uh, again and this is why it's going to continue to become more important to ignore what he says and pay attention to what he does or doesn't do I- I'm glad you brought this up about, about Obamacare and the repeal and replace effort the third one now yeah. that has failed in a row uh, <laughs> I'm very excited and heartened today uh, I'm of course I'm frightened about the world situation about yeah. the tension with Korea uh, th- there's still a chance uh, that uh, as as we've seen on, on signs and such we're all going to die uh, and that's that's certainly reason to be scared. But 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 if we can avoid those things, uh, and and it's a tricky minefield to be sure. But if we can avoid those things domestically here at home, it's becoming increasingly clear that Trump is not going to be able to accomplish anything, and that the Republicans who control the House, the Senate, and the White House are not going to be able to accomplish anything. Oh, they'll have little victories here and there. They've had a couple so far, but they are minor compared to what they haven't been able to accomplish. And and there are exciting reasons for this that make me very heartened. Uh, The Democrats now have a divide and conquer strategy where they pit conservatives against moderates on the Republican side. They can, they, or they'll go to moderates and pit them against Trump, or they'll go to the conservatives and pit them against Trump. So they have three parties now that they can work against each other, three distinct personalities, the president, the conservative House, and the uh, conservative Republican House, and the moderate Republican House. And by playing this game, by playing this divide-and-conquer game, they can't get anything passed. Uh, and, and even Mitch McConnell has admitted, we can't do anything now without the Democrats. Yep. They, the Republicans have a slip, what is it, a four-vote majority in the Senate. Uh, they can't afford to lose more than three votes on any given issue or it's not going to get through as and especially as long as uh, the the 60 vote rule applies to the passage of most bills yeah and and then like you just said uh these massive protests continue we've had what three or four just so far this week in which uh, tens of thousands of people are turning out across the country uh and 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 they continue to call their their congress people and 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 uh, present them with petitions and balloons and and in all sorts of ways making uh, their themselves heard so yes there is reason for hope and there is reason to believe that the trump agenda and even to a large extent the republican agenda on obamacare or anything else can be stopped. Yeah. And if they can't, and if they can't, and this is why 100 days is important, mm-hmm. if they can't get it done in these first 100 days, uh, this is when a president's the most popular and has the most influence. Yeah. Which, you know, and so it can only get worse. It can only get harder for Trump and the Republicans from here. By, by keeping the government open to December, 
The Republicans have admitted defeat for the most part, and this will make them even weaker when it comes up again later this year. And let's not underestimate the influence in all of this, almost the untold influence in all of this that's going on, this disastrous legislative agenda for Donald Trump so far. Right. And that's the influence of Nancy Pelosi. And mm -hmm. I know this is like Republican red meat. You bring up Nancy Pelosi, it's like, oh, they, they go they just yeah. lose their minds right right but nancy pelosi in this budget deal was able to work in so many things this budget yes. deal ended up being a major loss for donald trump and the republicans even mm -hmm. though they control the white house and both chambers of congress mm -hmm. nancy pelosi was able to shoehorn in all kinds of democratic priorities first yep. of all he got she got the white house to punt on a bunch of the president's top priorities plus right. to work in and this is on top of something that i, I actually forgot to mention earlier which is donald trump is now telling uh, uh, bloomberg actually in one of the, mm -hmm. the three yes. disastrous interviews he told bloomberg that he's interested in breaking up the big banks um, and then what was the other one? What was the other thing he said he would do? It was breaking up the big banks, and then there was others. Oh, establishing I, you know, a, a gas tax. He wants to do a gas tax. Right, yeah. Yeah, these are liberal ideas. Yeah. Look, you're absolutely right. And to enumerate some of these things that the Democrats want in this budget, sure, yeah. uh, Trump, Trump got uh, nearly half of the money that he wanted in budget increase for the military. Mm -hmm. So in in that sense, okay, a victory, and apparently Democrats didn't object to that too much. But they succeeded, uh, along with the, the help of Repu wise Republicans, yep. they, they, they didn't spend a single penny on, on the wall. In fact, in, the bill specifically has language that bans the spending of a single penny on the <laughs> exactly. wall. Uh, the, 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 the cut at the EPA, that's off the table. The 30% yep. cut EPA got a 1% cut. That's amazing. Uh, the national institutes of health preserved. They didn't lose a penny. Uh, arts, uh, the endowment for the arts and humanities, uh, they didn't get cut as Trump said they would. Uh, mm -hmm. the Democrats won $5 billion in domestic spending. Yep. In, in this in this thing. And now, because they're feeling their oats and because they have this clever divide and conquer strategy to pit the two Republican parties against each other and one by one against the president, uh, it, you know, it, they're now looking, the Democrats are now talking uh, very seriously about raising the minimum wage on Trump's watch. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And not only that, uh, they didn't get any defunding of Planned Parenthood in right. the uh, in this budget. Uh, right. they, Trump wanted to cut the EPA by a third, and they ended up only cutting it by just 1% without any staff cuts in there. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a huge victory for the Democrats. And going back to what you were saying uh, just a second ago, it's it's not just that the that the Trump uh, White House has had just one disaster after another when it comes to this kind of legislation, when it comes to Obamacare especially, but it's that it's happening in this climate where the Republicans can basically control all branches of the federal government. And not only that, but what is it? Something like 30 states have a trifecta now with the governor, uh, the governor's mansion and both chambers of the state legislatures being controlled right. by Republicans. Mm -hmm. Despite all of that, they're unable to push any of this through. And that, to me, speaks to the colossal weakness of Donald Trump. Right. And a weakness that, of course, he'll never, ever, ever admit to. 
Yeah, or or perhaps ever recover from. I yeah. mean, this spending, this particular quiet Sunday night bipartisan spending bill mm-hmm. uh, weakens him from this point forward. Yep. And, and for that matter, uh, the Republican Party in Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two Republican parties, and neither one of them hold a majority. So uh, look for a lot more divide and conquer. And despite my fears about the world situation in North Korea, uh, I'm feeling pretty positive about this now. Yeah, I mean, everything, everything's looking really good. But, I mean, here's my <laughs> here's my Debbie Downer for you, Buzz. Fine, fine. Uh, things looked really good at about this time in the Bush years, too. And, and about this time in 2001, everything looked like Bush was going to be one-term one term W that he was going to yeah. end up uh, just sort of just flailing his way on through four years, and then he'd get replaced by uh, by a Democrat. And uh, and then nine eleven happened, and everything changed. And I'm not saying another nine eleven is going to happen necessarily, but my ongoing concern is that, and God, this is so Debbie Downer. Uh, my other concern is that this other shoe is going to drop. That the, uh, this other shoe is going to drop, and then everything is going to change. And, if we uh, go to war, typically everybody gets behind the president. We'll see if that happens this time. I'm not so sure, but you know, either way, we don't want to. We don't want to go to war, obviously. All right, well, Buzz, thank you for uh, joining us today on the show. Are you going to stick around for the postmortem show? Do you, or do you have to Abs- run along to do your? No, I'd be happy to stick around. I look forward to it, and and I appreciate everybody listening to my news and comment. I'll be talking about all the stuff that we talked about here, plus uh, how everyone at the White House is lying about Mike Flynn. So <laughs> tune in later this week to, to my show. BuzzBurbank.com, RealmNetwork.com. That's R-E-L-M Network.com. Or you can uh, find Buzz Burbank news and comment at iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And are you on? Go- are you at uh, Google Play Music yet? We just signed up for uh, Google Play I Music. I saw you just joined Google Play. I'm not there yet, but yeah, I'm in a handful of places and and ever expanding. Why do you hate Android phones, Buzz? <laughs> I don't. I don't hate Android phones. I, I I don't own one, so I don't think about them much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is the show today. We'll see you on the postmortem show. If you want to listen to the postmortem show, sign up at patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. Uh, $5 a month gets you the uh, postmortem show. That's two postmortems a month. I mean, a, a week. God. More, way more than a month. It's, uh, it's like two eight a month. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, eight a month. And uh, you also get the uh, uh, after party and two, two postmortem shows if you sign up at $10 a month. If you sign up at $15 a month, you get all that crap plus uh, an unbleeped commercial-free version of this show that you just heard. So go do that. Patreon.com slash Bob and Chess. And we'll see you on the post-mortem show, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.